0: We continue with our one-page books of the Bible. This week, we zero in on 3 John. This book is about three leaders in an Asia Minor church, two good and one bad. John instructs the believers to imitate the upright Christian leaders so that they, quote-unquote, grow up spiritually mature. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, What Will You Be When You Grow Up? So who do you support? People who go out for the sake of the name. That means they represent the name, capital N, of Jesus. The motivation of the servant of God is to represent him as an ambassador of his kingdom, to bring him glory, and to proclaim the good news of salvation in him alone ought in this word, in this uh, sentence, therefore we ought to support such men. That word implies um, obligation. It's a moral responsibility of all Christians to support generously in a manner worthy of God, those who are the catalysts for the ministry of the body of Christ. I should stop here and insert the promo. Two weeks from today is going to be our mission Sunday. We're going to have two of our foreign missionaries uh, with us, and we'll also hear from Scott Basolo and how he's been able to uh, help uh, indigenous pastors uh, elsewhere. We'll have a chance to... just when, when we have that Sunday, think of it as Second John and Third John practicum. Uh, here's, here's how it looks in real lives. Jesus himself said to this principle, when he, when he sent out the 12 to preach on their own for a while... He said in uh, Matthew 10 41, anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. In other words, you get to participate in the overflow of the rewards for the people who are sacrificing to do that ministry. And he says that we may be fellow workers with the truth. He said that on the negative side back in 2 John. Last week we saw this in 2 John 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, this specific teaching about Jesus, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So if it's a bad thing and participating in evil deeds to help a false teacher and that's going to be something that God will chasten, well then it's a good thing and it's worthy of God to help one who goes out for The sake of the name and the opposite of participating in the evil deeds, you become a worker with the truth. Now, we probably ought to put a caution in here. Yes, there is a moral obligation that we all share to support the work of God through His church. People come to Christ, they tend to become generous, loving, caring, giving people. But we need to make sure that we have some wisdom and some discretion. It's no accident that God included Second John and Third John in uh, His Word so that we can help develop that discernment. We cannot support those who teach wrong doctrine about Jesus Christ. And we don't want to be taken advantage of. There's got to be that balance. I don't want to be gullible. I don't want to be used and abused and people know how to use and abuse the generosity of Christians. There are uh, it, its It's way bigger than you probably realize that it is. And people with good intentions can be taken advantage of. But we want to be wise. If you doubt that there's a problem with that, well, I could start naming names of well-known people who raise millions of dollars despite teaching false doctrines or who live lives full of sin. So-called Christian television and uh, radio are riddled with bad examples uh, like that. So be generous, do it in a manner worthy of God and don't be sucked into something. Uh, and sometimes uh, I would say, if you just can't tell, I'd rather, on, I'd rather err on the side of generosity and leave that person to answer to God um, I had a friend one time who was in seminary, dirt poor. His um, transmission needed to be replaced in his uh, in his car. He had to cash out a life insurance policy to be able to pay for it. And um, the guy gave him. A, it was in a. Of course, he was away from home. Of course, it was in a, a, a rather unpleasant part of town. And the guy gave him a quote. And then uh, he called him back in five days and said, "Okay, your car is going to be ready tomorrow." Oh, and and he added a bunch onto the quote. And um, my friend went back to him and uh, I wish I had this kind of holy boldness, but I haven't lost the transmission, so I don't know if I would. Um, And he said, okay, so this is the amount, right? And he said, okay, well, you know, um, that's not the amount you quoted me. And um, you never told me a reason for the increased amount. And the guy said, well, I just didn't get it right the first time. He said, okay, I'm going to pay you and I want you to know All of my money belongs to God, and I am His servant. And if you're ripping me off, you're ripping off God. Here's your check. The price came down about $1,000 before he left that day. Now, you can't do that with the average person sitting on the street corner or knocking on your door or, or, or whatever, but be wary a lot of people will say things well like, we want you to support us, we're, we're coming through your town, uh, this is a faith mission, I'm just, I'm just living by faith going from place to place. And that's actually a spiritual euphemism that means the people who know me very well won't support me, so I'm going to people who don't know me. Look, when God is truly at work through a, an individual or an organization, it will be verifiable and they'll want you to know and have confidence. So I'm, I will rather shamelessly ask people, what, uh, what's your home church? You know, can I get the name and number of your pastor so I can, so I can call and, and validate that they support you and would like us to? That can make a lot of people have a sudden urge to go to an appointment on the other side of town sometimes. But be like Gaius. He's a delightful model of kind, humble generosity and faith. He ministered selflessly and and generously to the saints. But there was another guy around. And the next man mentioned was not at all like Gaius. His name is Diotrephes, and he's the problem. Before I read you the three verses about Diotrephes, listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. Jesus called them to himself, the, the disciples, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many." John was there that day. John heard that. John believed that. John lived that. And eventually he wrote this about Diotrephes, 3 John 9 through 11. I wrote something to the church. That might have been 1 John. That might have been 2 John. It could have been something else that isn't included in Scripture. We don't don't know. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words, and not satisfied with this, neither does he himself receive the brethren, and he forbids those who desire to do so, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is is of God, the one who does evil has not seen God." So this Diotrephes, about whom we know nothing except what is here. We don't have any other men named Diotrephes in the, in the Scriptures. Um, what do we know about him? Well, he, he wasn't necessarily a false teacher. Uh, he, John doesn't talk about his doctrine. He talks about his, his personal ambition, his ego, his, his lust for power. So he said, first thing is, well, he didn't like what we wrote. He was rejecting it. Now, it is logical to assume that uh, after the apostles died off, and we're down to just one now by the time this is written, only John was alive. And so in many places where an apostle may have settled for some time, um, and the apostle goes to be with the Lord, there, there could have been somewhat of a power vacuum, authority vacuum. And and there may have been a struggle to, uh, to take authority and the oversight of the churches. And and ever since, well, the church, capital C, has had to deal with men like Diotrephes. I want to paint a picture of this kind of, uh, uh, of person for you. Consider this like the Police sketch. It's a it's a composite drawing from several perspectives. What what John says here are the things we know from the scripture and um, and and frankly, 50 years of ministry experience. You can describe a person like this. Let me let, let me see if I can paint the picture for you. Number one, he is in leadership. He he loves to be first. So he probably volunteers frequently and loudly um, and and says he's willing to do almost anything. Uh, You want to do the jobs that nobody else wants to do, you'll be welcome to do that, and then you can do that and get some attention, and you can parlay that into more and more responsibility. And people like that, usually in one way or another, subtly or otherwise, let it be known that they want to be in leadership well sure i 'll take that over yeah, i'll uh, i 'll do that for you 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 relax take a month off i'll i 'll cover that for for now if you would like this message on compact disc let me know and we 'll send it to you you 'll receive the entire message not just the portion on today 's program.